back to the EDM Podcast. My name is Connor O'Brien. If you're new here, this is a show where we interview artists, producers, and industry experts, really anyone who we feel can help you grow as a producer. As always, this episode is brought to you by EDMProd.com, an online resource dedicated to teaching electronic producers the tools and tactics needed to make better music. If you want to level up your production skills, whether it's learning the basics, writing better music, improving your mixes, or developing a more creative mindset, we've got you covered. Now, in this episode, I have a chat with Steve Void. Steve Void is a music producer based in the Netherlands who's also the founder of the popular record label Strange Fruits. Now, although Steve Void is a talented producer with over four and a half million streams on Spotify, let that number sink in, he really wanted to focus this episode around his early growth and what he's learned creating and running a successful label. Trust me, Steve Void is a talented mind and he delivers in this interview, offering his best advice on what it takes to build a successful career in the music industry, whether you're an artist, manager, label owner, or something else. Now, in this interview, we start off with Steve Void's background, looking at the early experiences that led him to pursue a career in music. We discuss attending the renowned Ehrman Broad Academy in the Netherlands, which features Martin Derricks and Julian Jordan as alumni. He actually was mildly depressed in his first semester at that school due to the steep competition that he had in his class, and we talk about how he overcame that pressure to move from the bottom to the top of his class. Next, we look at why he created his record label Strange Fruits and how he grew it early on. We discuss how he learned the skills necessary to run a record label and what he looks for in people that he hires to help run it. He also focuses in on the unique marketing and promotion strategies that Strange Fruits has in place that has resulted in the tremendous growth they've had over the past few years. If you follow them on Spotify, you know they do extremely well there, so it was great to get some better insight into what their marketing and promotion strategies look like. Later on in the episode, we discuss what it takes to manufacture a hit record and whether or not you should be releasing with the label. We also discuss some of the other creative ventures that Strange Fruits has outside of releasing music, which includes their upcoming restaurant, which I believe will be opening up in a few weeks, as well as the many Strange Fruits characters that they have, which they're eventually developing into a full animated movie. Now, as we slide into the interview, I'll play you Steve Void's latest track, a single called 2C Slide. Definitely go check it out if you feel it right after this episode is over. Other than that, that's it for me. Let's wrap things up and get to the interview. Here's the EDM Podcast with Steve Void. Right foot up, left foot side, left foot up, right foot side. We say we ain't seen either way, we better side. Can't let this one side. Right foot up, left foot side, left foot up, right foot side. We say we ain't seen either way, we better side. Can't let this one side. All right, welcome back to the EDM podcast today. I'm joined by Steph, who releases under the name Steve Void. Steph, how you doing today? Really, really good. Although it's uh turbulent times really strange times but yeah. uh, as i am from a little town netherlands there there isn't that much of a difference other than uh, keeping your distance so to start i'd like to learn a bit more about your background with music you can go back as far as you'd like but i'd like to learn what initially got you into music and later on music production so i started let's say uh, around like 10 10 ish I got FL Studio for, I, I asked it for my birthday, so I got it. And then I decided that it was way more fun to go outside and play and with my friends and all that stuff. So I, I always look back, if, if, I w- if even I would have thought that starting at 10 would have been a lot better than age 14, 15, then I would have had uh, quite a big leap advantage than I have now. But like, uh, yeah, you can't connect the dots uh, you can yeah. connect the dots looking afterwards, but you can't at, at that moment. So yeah, round 10 and then uh, left it on the on the side. I went out and played soccer and all that stuff and just gamed. And had, I guess like 
fun as any child should do instead of focusing on one thing. Um, So then I was 14, 15, and then it was still on my computer. So I opened it, played around with a bit more, and then I downloaded some sound banks, and all of a sudden, like, I thought I had the next big hit, kind of like (laughs) the the most generic story, but that kind of, like, happens when you make the first thing that sounds like something in your opinion, that is from your favorite artist or whatever. So I thought, okay, if I can do this in like 10 minutes, then I, I'm going to be the best the <laughs> artist that produces that has ever been around. So uh, I pursued that and then I uh, kind of like started working in a, uh, a bar as kind of like picking up the glasses from like people that just drink a beer, picked up the glasses. And there was a DJ there. It was kind of like my first interaction when i was 14 with with a dj and i was like okay this is interesting he's playing all my favorite tunes and he's mixing them together like how how does this even work like i I didn't get it i didn't understand it so i every time i was like done picking up the glasses or like done uh hanging up the jackets from people that came into the club um i i kind of like looked over his shoulder and kind of like see what he did because i couldn't wrap my mind around it but i was fascinated by it so that's kind of like how my interest for music, music mixing, and and as a DJ initially uh, started, and that kind of like triggered me eventually of like doing some lessons or like from him initially to like learn how to DJ, and then I was like, it would be so much fun to like also like play my own stuff that didn't sound like anywhere close to the stuff that I was playing, but I thought it would be so fun to play that and mix that that into like the next track that I made uh, a day after, let's say like that. Um, so it's kind of like how it evolved. And then I did that for like two years. And then I, uh, was studying a really, let's say like normal study it was like, uh, marketing communication, just the most generic study you can pick. If you have no clue what you want to do with your life, uh, I was pretty okay with it. And I was in the first year. And then I decided at the end of the year that, um, I was going to sign out from that school and I was going to apply for the Broad Academy. In uh, Utrecht, it's the same school that Martin Garrix went to, and uh, a lot of other really talented artists. And I yeah. thought that I was—I had so such a big of an ego that I thought that I could even like uh, get into that school, <laughs> <laughs> say it like that. So yeah. I, I just applied, and I just uh, signed myself out from that school. And I told my parents so I signed out from this school, and they were like, "What the heck is this uh, kid doing? And yeah. what's your what's your plan?" I said, "Like I signed up for this really cool, awesome." music school that uh yeah you can learn music production but it's also like a bit of music business and there's just a lot of things that i like kind of like interested me when i was not at school let's say and even when i was in school there i was like on my laptop just making music uh, learning about the music industry and, and and anything that was not was what i was supposed to do on that, on that school so they were like okay um let's see how this works out. <laughs> so then I went to the first, uh, kind of like, yeah, this like day where you go to the school and then you have like, kind of like your first, um, meet up with teachers, teachers, and they're going to ask you like several questions and they have like this selection process. So I wasn't aware of that at all. I didn't do that much of due diligence. So my mom came in the other day and she said like, you know, that there's like thousands of people trying to go to this school and they only have a class of like 30 uh, people that want to do or, or can do music production because yeah. there just isn't another class. And I was like, okay, so this, like, so this, this was like, I don't like the point where I got like, okay, 
I, I'm not sure if I made the right decision here because I just like I had like I was kind of like set up to like have a great uh, diploma at the other school and I just like jumped out in the first year without yeah. like a, a real good backup plan. So I went to that day and I literally left the building and I was like, this, this sucks. They like, I, I didn't play the piano. So they asked me like different questions about like, in what key is this or what note am I playing to towards like the most, just really like music technical questions. And I, I'm not coming from like a really musical technical background. So I was there, I think 15 or 16. I was like, Oh, yeah, like, oh, what am I going to do? <laughs> so uh, I, I just played it in that interview as like me being super like excited about. And I think that's one of the key traits of, of being in the music industry is that you all, always have to look on the bright side of life, be positive yeah. and be uh, enthusiastic and excited about like whatever it is that you're trying to do or trying to fail at or, or trying to be better at. So from that standpoint, um, I just was like, okay, I'm uh, performing here in this little bar and I'm doing this. And I, I was just like really trying to let them see that there is more than just me knowing if this is a C or a B uh, or whatever key this song is in. Yeah. And uh, I guess I was in Spain and then they called me and then they were like, you're, you're in. And I was like, I was so unbelievably surprised because i wasn't expecting yeah. that at all i was like okay i have to look for my backup my backup option and although my parents didn't agree to it at the time because i was still uh i had to go to school because i was 16 i guess um was that i was just going to stick at home and i'm just going to figure out this myself and they were not really supportive of that idea so i i if th this didn't happen then i would have gone back to that school that i uh yeah signed myself out for so that was kind of like the the starting vibe. I I luckily had support from my parents in the whole journey towards it. That's kind of like the most important thing around that age. But uh, yeah, it wasn't uh, as uh, flourish and and beautiful as I uh, <laughs> would love to, to to tell the story. It was it, it sucked and and it's getting yeah. it, going further into that story. It's going to be a a lot more painful and painful along the way. <laughs> and then that's kind of like. Uh, the story that nobody wants to hear, but that's just the honest truth. I mean, I think anyone that's trying to pursue music for long enough has one of those moments when they're really excited and very naive to what it takes to get to a professional level where they just kind of get knocked down on their ass and they're like, oh crap, like I'm up against a lot of heavy competition. With you, you're seeing the thousand other people that are competing for those 30 spots just to get into a school that gives you a chance of being successful at this. And it's like, wow, if I'm gonna do this, I really need to get off my ass and do something big about it. That's all the thing you just said is a lot of truth in there. And, and especially the whole naive part. And I, that's the one thing I, I hope I'll never lose is the whole foolish and naive part of my personality yeah. and, and way of thinking. Because if, if you're not naive and, and foolish to think that certain things or certain ideas that you want to try out, will initially not work and just be naive and foolish enough to think that they, they may work. Maybe somebody tried it before, but you take some sort of a different angle towards it, why it may yeah. work. I think that's a, a really strong trademark in, in being in the music industry because everything has been done 100%. It's just yeah. the, the different angle of or the different way of work ethic that you treat this idea with that's going to be the difference between you succeeding 
and and in an idea that's been previously maybe like a thousand people filled in it or maybe like a hundred thousand people so that was kind of like my journey towards getting towards that school that bought me three years of time to kind of like develop what whatever i wanted to do or like wanted to be in in uh, in the music industry let's say like that so at what point did you kind of get starting to release with your stevoid project so i uh, so i said like it's gonna get a lot worse along along this way <laughs> that i'm going along this journey that i'm going to take you guys on yeah but uh so i got to this school and there were 30 of the most brilliant like music minded people and they were like from anywhere from the age of 16 towards like 21 they were all stacked in that school from like people from belgium towards uh, all sides of the netherlands and and even guys from like america so i was i got there day one and i i went back home and i i literally was like i i, I went straight into a, a straight on depression like i haven't been as distressed in my life as that point where literally for like half a year I literally was the worst student in the class. And I'm not going to say that I was the best or that I was okay. No, I was the worst. I was uh, not even nearby the, the rest of the class uh, in terms of like some had management, some already had signed at the time. It was like one of the biggest things you could do at sign at spinning. They um, maybe already had like a, a major deal that remixes for some of the biggest artists. It was this whole period of like 2013, 2014, 2015 with Tomorrowland. Yeah. So it was like dance was like the biggest thing on the planet. And Martin Garrix just graduated from the school. It was kind of like this period where it seemed like, like you were doing nothing. Like you were literally yeah. doing nothing if you were, weren't releasing or, or doing something. So it was like half a year I would say of like the depression because I also didn't have uh, the money and the resource at the time to kind of like uh, have get a room nearby my school. So it was kind of like me uh, going to school. It was like one and a half hours and then school and then one and a half hours back. So it was like three hours of traveling a day. Yeah. It was like quite tense uh, in the bus. Um, and then like, halfway through the year the third years came into our class and that, that literally that moment saved me because there were like 30 people in that class and one of those people was like martin garrix one other one was julian jordan and one other one was alpha rock martin garrix wasn't in that thing because he was probably touring or whatever busy or yeah. <laughs> i don't know and the rest of them were just 30 kids i would say or like men or women that just had three years of their life committed towards succeeding in the music industry or like doing something with this and, and hearing from them, the majority of them um, probably will go uh, work in a restaurant and not that there's anything wrong with that, but like, yeah. or like further going in a, in a different direction with school or like stuff like that. They were just not in a position that they could sustain themselves or like even like make the hours in, in the music industry to yeah. to pursue what they initially wanted to pursue so that was kind of like for me a switch that i was like okay so it doesn't mean that getting into this school and being selected out of all these people that wanted to get into this school is is your golden really wonka ticket that you're going to be fine and that yeah. isn't the case you you and and everybody else in this class are are competition and you should help each other and you need to progress with each other but in the end of the road, if, if three people make it, and if I say make it, 
in like, okay, you're going to be not you're graduated and then another year you're able to like kind of like figure things out and not another year. No, you're going to make it like five or 10 or 20 years uh, into the future. You really yeah. have to step up your game. So uh, like after that moment, I said to my parents, okay, I need some sort of like funding to, to be in an apartment in a, a a student house nearby the school because I want to have like additional classes from teachers outside of like normal uh, uh, hours. And I want to be around my classmates to kind of like learn from them outside of school. And I, I, I don't want to travel three hours a day to, uh, to kind of like waste. You can't do anything in the bus, especially like I am, I've I evolved to be better, but like I, at the time I was just, if I looked at my phone, I was going to be like driving sick. So that was that wasn't an option for me. So luckily, uh, fortunate enough, uh, they held me, and I I got a room uh, nearby the school with some classmates, and we uh, awesome. paid the rent all together, and and we had an apartment, and that's that saved that saved the day for me because now I was <laughs> close to school, I yeah. I could kind of like absorb as much knowledge from the teachers as possible and from my classmates, and also on the other hand, yeah, be around them. And that's always the thing that I'm trying to um, not teach people, but like it's so valuable that you like surround yourself with people that are succeeding or like that you look yeah. up to or can learn something. And that doesn't necessarily always have to be business minded, but it can also be like some people are just super social. And I, I like to think of myself as like an introvert and an extrovert person at the same time where I can be super introvert. But if, if I need to be extrovert, then I can push a button in and I can be really extrovert. And that's kind of like learn from people in your surrounding. So that was my uh, first year of uh, the Hammer World Academy. And then go into the summer vacation of uh, that first year, I discovered that there was something called uh, SoundCloud and that um, you could um, kind of like share each other's music on there with the repost yeah. button. And I was like, oh my God, this is a <laughs> game changer. So I said to my uh, teacher then, like, I'm going out of here now. And when I come back in two months, I have this many followers. She said, no way in in hell that you're going to get back here. <laughs> because like I had like a hundred followers on SoundCloud. But I just figured out that if I connect all these dots and, 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 push out a lot of music and then yeah. do all these different marketing things that I could accomplish it. And, uh, I came back the first day of, uh, the second year and indeed, like I had like a hundred thousand, uh, SoundCloud, uh, followers at the time. And that was like quite a big deal because SoundCloud was still like, uh, a focus for people to get discovered on, uh, yeah. mainly okay, also in dance. Like currently it's still for hip hop, but in dance, it isn't that much of a thing anymore. So then uh, I had a project called uh, S2V. Okay. <laughs> and that was kind of like the prior alias to Steve Void. And um, yeah, so I released a lot of, uh, of music on Sangra then on that name. And then when I felt that I had a tune that was good enough for a whole new project with proper branding and stuff like that, I moved to Steve Void. And the first remix that I did was uh, Can't Feel My Face. And that literally like with all the marketing and all the stuff that I learned blew up back then on SoundCloud to the, towards now, I think yeah. 20 million or something, 10 or 20 million. So it did really well. And that was kind of like the start of uh, Steve Void and my first release under Steve Void. I want to go back on one point that you mentioned earlier. You kind of talked about how in that first semester or so of school, you were kind of depressed in part because 
you saw those people in your class that were at that point so much further along. Looking back, do you have any advice that you would have given you in that point just to like get yourself out of that state a little bit quicker so that you can get some more motivation just to keep pushing through? Yeah, so as I mentioned, I had this uh, eureka moment, let's say like that, that these people, like my future selves came literally walking into the classroom. It was like as big as a confrontation as you could possibly get. And they said to me, like, you're going to be a dishwasher if you're not going to put the yeah. time and effort in. So towards my point in everything, work ethic is going to be talent every day in, in now and in the future. It's, it's always going to be the case. And, and along the way, you're going to have a bit of luck. And of course, a bit of talent is going to be helpful. But if, as long as you're consistent in your work ethic, you're going to be talent because talent isn't able to be consistent consistently and isn't usually doesn't have a lot of uh, work ethic. Yeah. So I saw that really early on and I was like, okay, I'm here with 29 others. I'm going to make sure that I work as hard, if not twice or three times as hard as them because they are way more talented than me. And I'm yeah. also going to look at how I can navigate this three, these three years a lot smarter instead of focusing on the exact same things as everybody is doing. So what I would say to my earlier four, five, six years back, I would say that focus on stuff that nobody's focusing on and work is as simple as this. If, if somebody in, in your surrounding or you just in general see somebody that is doing a, like an eight hour work day or like a 10 hour work day, like yeah. they're 24 hours a day. Like if you sleep seven, you're going to be pretty healthy. That leaves you with 18, 17 hours. Uh, 17 hours yeah of productive work time so if they work eight and some that say that they work hard work 10 then there's still a lot of like uh, upscaling to do uh, there that you could evolve and 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 be more productive and and that's not for everybody like there's a lot of people that suffer from like mental illnesses or like have a a situation that makes it difficult to pursue things or like they have to focus on other things because uh, they also need to pay the rent and stuff like that. And that's why I say like uh, going to the Hammerbolt Academy is not that you get the golden Willy Wonka ticket that you, um, you're you going to succeed, but it's, yeah. it is going to give you three years when nobody's going to bother you or at least like it's, it's not going to be as worse as, as being in the, in the normal work field or in a normal school. Nobody's going to bother you. And the only thing is it's you against the clock to and now in three years make sure that you're able to yeah, provide for yourself and uh, make a living out of the stuff that you love doing. I really like that. Just thinking about where do I want to be in three years and then focusing on that, not focusing on where other people are at right now versus yourself. And it's still uh, quite, quite far to be honest. Like if you, like for me that worked, but like, I know for a lot of people, they can like they, they live day by day or like week by week. So what I would say to those people is like, just encounter yourself with a shit ton of workload. That's the thing. Like people say like, well, what I'm going to do next? What I'm going to do next? Okay. So like, for instance, like for a typical producer, you remake every song and you just get to a point where you're so good at remaking that you can eventually create something that's so unique that, that people want to remake. And yeah. I, and, and that's, and, and people always say like, yeah, but remaking, like I want to create my original stuff. 
believe me, there's nothing more difficult than recreating one-on-one specific sounds or a specific song. And the best music engineers and mixers that I work today with usually can literally like one-on-one recreate a song. And, and, not even, and, and they have done that so many times that they even can do it uh, absurdly fast. So if I would give a, a tip to it, like a typical music production guy, I would say 100% encourage yourself with so much workload that you literally are like, okay, how am I going to yeah. get this all done? Cool. So kind of catching us back up to speed. So you started the Steve Void rebrand project in about 2015, 2016. And it looks like your first release under what is now Strange Fruits is around 2017. So kind of talk about the early stages for you developing that label. Yeah, so for Steve Boyd, that was purely my entire focus for the whole Helen Boyd Academy. And in the second year of that, I made a song that ended up somehow with an agent in uh, with Ferry, uh, with CAA, an agent in uh, America, and he gave it to a client of Imatoma. So then all of a sudden, I went from the worst uh, student in the class towards a guy that figured out how to market music to a guy that was all of a sudden like on tour in America and then all of Europe. And it was such an unrealistic ride that even I was like, okay, I'm just going to hop on all of these things. And uh, I have no clue what's going to happen, but at least I'm going to have a lot of fun and and, and figure it out along the way. And it's a a great uh, thing to take away from anything is like, just go with it, go with it, go with it, go with it. And, And you'll never know where it brings you. So that's yeah. what it was like. The second year was like America tour. Then I got back into the third year. And, and while I was on tour, I did all the study stuff that I had to do. Uh, third year, uh, they called me again. Do you want to do a Europe tour? And I was like, okay, well, I'll call my teachers, but uh, <laughs> I hope so. So <laughs> then I, I went on another tour. And that was kind of like, I think 2016, 2017, that period. And yeah. then I graduated. And I've signed, I signed some songs or licensed some songs with like Universal, Sony, Warner, uh, did that whole thing. Then I did some uh, co-releases or like me behind the scenes doing releases with other labels that weren't on the Steve Void. And I was like, okay, so kind of like I, I got an idea of how the traditional labels worked and how the majors worked in an early stage on my uh, own artist project. And I saw their contracts and I saw how they kind of like operate marketing wise and stuff like that. So I learned and absorbed a lot. And um, then I came to the conclusion that in order from like usually when you have an artist project, um, releasing one song uh, a month is already quite a lot for your fans to uh, kind of like digest and uh, really start loving that tune. So I was like, okay, I have the um, scalability of like helping a lot of artists here to do the same numbers that I'm doing because they have all great music, but they have no clue how to bring it to the people. So I said, okay, let's start Strange Fruits. And Strange Fruits was kind of like me going back to the Hamel Board Academy. Um, I was always like this strange guy um, um, challenging everything that they, the teacher were saying or like at least like second guess that. And also uh, a lot of people would like join me in the studio and ask me for like advice according to like that a release. And they said, okay, well, what we should do we do here? We have this idea. Is this like something that you think would resonate with an audience and stuff like that? So like from a production as a music fanatic and also from an angle that was more of like uh, a business minded uh, 
peace of mind and, and look. I try to kind of like give this like weird, strange angles on, on, on trying to help people. So I, that's kind of like where strange comes from. And then we had this like really tiny, not ventilated, not properly ventilated studios because there were so <laughs> many, like 30 people that need to be in one building making music. Kind of like, yeah. it's just not going to work because everybody's going to bother each other. So there's like isolated cubes and uh, yeah, they weren't the nicest to be in and also not really inspirational. So I put a, uh, like a, a wind blower in there and I put, uh, and then I walked across the street to, to get some fruits and stuff. So everybody like kind of like came by my studio to chat about whatever they, they had going and how I uh, looked at those things. And that was kind of like the strange fruits guy. So that's uh, I thought that's a really funny name to call my yeah. label. And that's uh, the start of Strange Fruits. And uh, yeah, that's how it all started. Out of me kind of like seeking more fulfillment in the end of the day. And also on the other hand of me thinking, okay, if I can do this one time a month for myself, why can I not do this every week from somebody else? Yeah. So kind of talk about that development. I think it's one thing to figure out what it looks like to distribute your own music, especially nowadays, you know, logistically easier with all the different services that allow you to upload but it's another thing to like deal with the logistics, the financial, legal side of releasing for other artists. So kind of talk about what that evolution was like for you from just your tracks to releasing other people's tracks. I think the, the biggest change was that a lot of my time kind of like became, became occupied with dealing with emails. And uh, so there was like a lot less of making music in that period of time and still unfortunately is being honest. Um, so that's kind of like the big shift when you kind of like decide that you want to do more business, that's going to be more time devoted there. So there's a lot less time for the creative side of things. So I've, yeah. I eventually currently are in a balance where I am able to like do 50, 50 and I, I feel like really comfortable with it, but that hasn't been the case for the last three years. Let's say it like that. So, um, yeah, from the, the thing is that to start a label, you don't need a lot more especially nowadays than just being able to convince people that you can do a really great job marketing their music and that is the yeah. foundation of a uh, a music label a music label convinces people that they are better off with them than without them and that's kind of mm. like what the majors do as well like they say like okay we make this different business strategy but it's literally like okay we give you an advance so you're happy with the like kind of like upfront money and then we're going to like kind of like build a whole plan around you and we're going to have these releases and that's kind of like the, how the majors do it. But eventually it all comes down to, I trust this company or this guy or whoever to market my release. And that's why giving him X percentage, that's yeah. a music label. And then the contract and, and, and where you distribute it and, and all the other logistics are kind of like secondary because eventually or initially you always, it all starts with the good music. If you don't have the good music, then uh, thinking about anything other than that is kind of like unnecessary. So that's always how I see starting a new idea. So I come up, we have a brainstorm session for instance here at the office. I shoot 20 ridiculous ideas. And then we say, okay, how reasonable are these ideas to succeed and not overthink them as in, okay, can we at least make a start in this idea? And then if the answer is yes, then we start it. And then if along the way things become so complicated or so out of reach that we have to like, kind of like stop, 
then yeah. at least you have given it uh, your best shot. But I generally don't believe in the question, okay, what, what are all the things you had to encounter to get to the point where you're at right now? Because I can probably write a book about it because it's, <laughs> it's like an, an evolving yeah. book because it changes every day because that's the beautiful thing about the music industry. It changes literally every day. Like everything that yeah. I'm doing today is going to be probably different tomorrow because uh, there are so many different influences from the audience, the the business in general, and the artists that things just naturally evolve. So what I would say is just just get started, and that's that's with anything. Like if you decide that you want to change uh, your uh, alias and you want to produce dubstep instead of like trap, or you want to go from deep house to dubstep, like just do it and if like eventually like people that followed you for deep house say like hey, we, we don't want to follow you anymore then that's like something you have to encounter and something that um, you could have initially thought about but are you more happy now and if the answer is yes then okay keep keep going keep going like you can always go back so i want to go back on one thing it's a lot that you had to do, especially at the age that you were doing this with Strange Fruits in terms of the marketing, networking, publishing, promotion, all the things that you had to do with running a label. You said that a lot of that you learned just from working with all the different labels that you did with your Steve Void project. Outside of that, was there anyone in terms of like a mentor or maybe just kind of like a support network of other people that you were able to learn from just from the logistical side of running a small business? If I look back, it's been a lot of like absorbing from different people, different websites, different uh, sources. But in the end, it all came down to like, okay, there's like five options here. There's 10 options there. There's 15 options here. Let's try all of them and see which one in the, eventually makes the most sense. Yeah. So I always would stick with trial and error and, and, the you the thing is like the, the the scare the scare thing at the moment is that there's so much information out there, but there isn't really much much information out there that's really valuable, especially in the music industry as things change or like tend to change so fast. I think it's also the most tough thing to, for instance, like write a book or like create some sort of like valuable information that transits in more than a year let's say like that so i would love to give you an answer to that but um yeah i i would say trial and error on like basically if you if you have a question then try it and then if it fails then okay on to the next one yeah. <laughs> so we were talking earlier that you're kind of in the process of building out an office what is the size of the strange fruits team right now so you have eight full-time employees now and that's the thing also, like the fun thing about the music industry is that uh, we have eight people in the office, but we also have like a lot of like freelancers and stuff like that all around the world because it's so tough. As I mentioned, like we're, we're not in the middle of nowhere, but we're not in LA. And that's something that you have to face really early on is that you're going to have a lot of freelancers and that can be in like design, production, uh, a lot of like small tasks. So in, in on average, we... I think we have between 35 towards 50 freelancers that really do like from minor tasks that's maybe like 100 bucks a month towards like literally like full-time salaries on a freelance yeah. basis because it's truly impossible to get all these people from the same talent all to be working in one place. So that's kind of like the luxury that we have now with the internet, but um, yeah, getting them all in one place 
getting them to move and stuff like that. It's just, it's not possible. So that's kind of like the strange fruits team now. Yeah. Yeah. So I know, at least in terms of like EDM prods growth, that first hire is a really big deal. I was actually the first person that was brought on outside of Sam Matla, and he had been running EDM prod by himself for about five or six years, which is kind of crazy that he was doing that. So that's what was healthy. that like for you? Yeah. What was that like for you just to like make the plunge with that first hire? Because there's a lot of responsibility that comes with it. And, um, you know, other things that come around with that, like delegation and finding the right people. So what was that like for you to kind of get those first people on with Strange Fruits? Uh, Learnful, let's say like that, because (laughs) um, over the past, let's say like six years, I've literally tried an error and and did it all myself from like the most stupid things of like uh, kind of like finalizing artworks towards doing the YouTube uploads towards uh, literally, literally everything because <laughs> I, and I feel that that's, there's kind of like a charm towards that because if, if anybody would ask me now like anything, I'll probably know something about it. And I feel like as a, a leader or something that people uh, work for, there's nothing more valuable than working for, for somebody that literally has... I would say like, I have still like so much more to learn, but like at least like have, have, have tasted really everything. And I think that that's, it's good that you do it that way. And then when things actually make sense, because this was really funny. So I, I, I bought a apartment. So I went from like, I'm both getting and I went home because I was still touring at the time and it didn't really make sense for me to get an apartment. And then yeah. I was like, okay, now I'm home and I want to start strange foods. So let's get, then I got my first apartment and um, there was like a, a studio in there that I, I used as an office. But then I, when I hired the first employee, I was like, okay, this is going to be quite awkward if my first employee, and literally, this is not even a, a year back, this is going to be quite weird if I have my employee uh, work in my house in the same room as me. And I, I was quite comfortable with it at first, but then uh, when the day moved closer that he was actually going to be working, I was yeah. like, okay, this is going to be weird. This is going to be <laughs> so weird. So I kind of like looked at a few websites and I kind of like got the the cheapest uh, office small building that I could find a year ago. I think it's like, it's, it's one and a half years ago, maybe two. Um, and I got that. And then uh, we worked there first with two. And then a really funny situation, like one of my uh, friends, he was doing a 3D um uh, education in, in Belgium and then he decided that he wanted to in the, in the summer or whatever he came work for us for like I don't know like two two months and he want, didn't want to get anything for it and then after those yeah. two months he decided to quit school and, and he wanted to be full-time employed so that was kind of like <laughs> my third and, and, yeah. and that kind of like and then we had like uh, people from the Airbnb Academy that I went for they also have a uh, management and business side of uh, the school so then I yeah. hired two people that just graduated a few months ago or two months ago, or I think they still have to graduate and now in two weeks. And uh, that's kind of like the natural involvement of, okay, what, where do we need additional people? Is it actually needed? Because we uh, have like one full-time tech employee and I've had him, uh, his name is Stan. I have him for like five years or something. Mm. Um, And he has kind of like been there day one because he is just able to, make everything as efficient as it could be. So we work with a lot of like tech to 
help us uh, skip out things that are just unnecessary that human humans work uh, or do that work. So that's kind of yeah. like how I'm I've been able to, for the last uh, six years and and almost doing a thousand releases myself just on my own, just the one man yeah. army. It's basically just pure on tech because if we didn't have that tech, I wouldn't be able to like you only have like 16 or 14 productive hours a day like yeah. I, I i would have never be able to like do a thousand releases and, and scale to the level that i've done purely based on like one human being working i would have gone nuts still say it was a lot of work but like if i didn't have like tech or like little tools helping me it would have been impossible and I don't really say or like like to say that something is impossible, but that wouldn't have been that. <laughs> yeah, I think that efficiency angle is crucial and just being very careful about every single hire that you have and then making sure the work that everyone's doing is as effective as it can be. I know uh, Booty Vogue from like Heroic Management mm-hmm. has that exact same methodology where he is efficiency down to the bone. Like he's crazy with it. And that's an integral part just to like be able to scale at the speed that you want. Yeah. But also like you have to be, and I, I wish I did that before. I like, if I look back, I wish I hired long before I actually did, especially like full-time because I had a lot of freelancers, but like, that's not the same as like actual, like full-time employees because uh, efficiency is one, but like I'm the most efficient person that I, I probably ever met. And there will probably be more efficient people out there, but like yeah. I like to think of myself as a quite an efficient human being with my time. Um, and the the thing is with with hiring people is that you can kind of like teach them the way you think, but also like they they now have time on themselves. So like first you like train them with like kind of like the mindset and stuff like that, and then eventually yeah. like they they're able to think for themselves. And, and not ask questions that they are already like kind of like they see different angles and and i i generally feel that the the best ideas usually come from like the the kind of like places that you don't really expect them from that's why i also like to to kind of like hire not music related people just people that have uh, are music fanatics haven't been i don't want to say toxic but uh <laughs> haven't been in the music industry for so long or so like talking to a music uh, person that has been doing music for such a long time and so intensive and, and especially business wise, it, it, it can be really toxic and close minded, I would say. So that's why I like to hire people yeah. that are quite naive and, and ask maybe like, there's not something as a dumb question, but um, just like questions that you're like, are you sure that you, that, are you really asking this question? And I and yeah. I think that's way more interesting than somebody that's going to be like, have you already thought about this and then come up with, I, I don't know how to explain it, but I find it yeah. really interesting how, for instance, like my girlfriend or just people in general that have nothing to do with the music industry, think about the music industry. I find it fascinating. So I, I think that hiring in that way is, has been allowing me to scale a lot faster than I initially thought that it would scale. Yeah. And especially now with all the things that we're doing now, it's it's going so unbelievably fast. Like I, we've we have been seeing like x two hundred, x five hundred in like monthly streams. It's it's just yeah. Um, um, it, it seems like it just took us three years to kind of like figure out how this whole thing works, and now we have a formula that's just it's just knocking out the competition left and right, and it's 
it's so much fun for to see like everything connect in a way that I and then kind of like a new business model in the music industry where I thought like that it would never be possible in that way because it, it it's so fragile but so it's it's high risk high reward and it, it's it's so yeah. much fun to to kind of like trial this this new business uh, model in the music industry. Yeah, is there anything with regards to marketing and promotion? Obviously, you don't want to give away all of your secrets, but anyone who's a fan of yours that goes on Spotify knows how many streams that the Strange Fruits releases pull. What are some of the things that are really important to what you to, what your team has developed in order to kind of grow your stream counts? I think uh, it. As going back to like the first point, it all starts with music, and that's quite a cliche these days in the, in the music industry. Yeah. But like, what what I think we've done wrong over the last three years is purely looking at like what do I think I want to listen to, and what do I think the listener wants to listen to, instead of like what do I purely enjoy listening to when yeah. I'm not in the office, and what do I no database that the listener is really enjoying and what and and are there any niches that aren't oversaturated yet and i think like yeah. as soon as we changed that mindset like half a year ago we started from being quite stable and and still being re- doing really well towards like little like exploding growth it, it, it's just unbelievable at the moment and i'm really happy for that but like i feel like it's all about mindset it's like changing the way you think about making music but also like changing the way you think about okay am i making music that is actually like are are people asking for this that's kind of like the question where it comes down to like you can make the best movie in the world but like if if it's a topic that nobody's interested in then there's not much you can make it as big budget as you want, but like <laughs> in the end of the day, there's probably yeah. not that many people that are going to watch it. And that's the whole thing that we're going to do or like what we're doing right now. We kind of like go back to, to what do I personally love to listen to and what data-wise shows that the audience like in terms of like different uh, styles in music, so different tastes. I always like say you have like the top 50 and there's different tastes to each yeah. song, why that became a big hit. And I could... Of course, you can always say like that's because like it, it's done by Justin Bieber or whatever. But in essence, like a song can only travel so far because it's Justin Bieber. Like there has to be something in that song, a taste in, in like that could be like, for instance, like how we see it in dance, like Deep House. Uh, is it like EDM or is that is this progressive house or like that's kind of how we see dance. But that yeah. same counts for like pop. Like is it is it a certain type of songwriting? Is it a certain type of um, what different type of percussive are, are, are used? Is it a, a duet or, a, or is it just Justin Bieber alone? Like there are so yeah. many variables and, and just looking at the top 50, what well, in general, like the people decided that this is the stuff that they want to listen to. And you can be like, but like, I don't want to make music that is going into the top 50. And I'm completely fine with that. And I've done that for three years. But like now I'm looking at the music industry and I'm like, okay, this is what people decided that they love. Okay, what in this top 50 is stuff that I love as well, and I think there isn't enough of. And then we just look, we dive in, and, and then we see, okay, where can we provide an additional value or like make something that people are so much interested in that they actually want to say, okay, I'm going to play this 10 times and I'm not going to play this just one time. 
And that's just a whole yeah. different way of mindset. And and then when it comes down to advertising on Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok, and all the platforms, it's just that it all starts with music. If if you give somebody a piece, just something that they can get uh, at the at the neighbor next door, then there's not much added value that you bring, and and you can advertise whatever you want, but people are not going to stick with you. You have to bring something different that they can't get anywhere else. And, and you have to figure out for yourself wh- what that is. Yeah, I think that's a very common um, ideology in the small business world. Just in order to be successful or a thing that can help you be successful is to both like find and exploit a gap in the market. Like if you think back mm-hmm. on like the start of Airbnb, it started with somebody just wanting to like get an apartment for South by Southwest for the weekend while he was there. And then he mm-hmm. turned that into the you know massive thing that it is now. So it's, I love the way that you're framing that and applying that to the music industry, looking at the top 50 being like, here's what's trending, here's what's trending. And also here is a certain style or niche that there just aren't a lot of. So figuring out, okay, we need to get in here before things get oversaturated. Again, like you're saying like, you don't have to do that, but if you're thinking about cracking into that top 50, that's an analysis that you should be doing regularly. Yeah, and 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 with that being said, like people call that maybe sell out, or they say like, okay, they're doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, looking at majority of like, if you look at dance, like majority of the like really big artists either broke with, for instance, a cover or a remix or like something that they took from the top fifty, a taste or a yeah a, a, a melody, and that's how they broke. And from there, they were they were able to kind of like have enough interest on the project to to create something of their own but like usually yeah. if you literally track track back all these artists they they kind of like come up from either a cover a remix or they have taken something from something culture wise that made them yeah. relevant if, if you don't get that initial kickstart it's going to take you're going to endure so much unnecessary uh backlash of like failures and stuff like that and you're just swimming against the stream and uh like i don't say like you have to like go with the stream literally like every day of your life but like doing that every now and then is going to make your life a lot more easy and uh i i know that especially in the music community that's like not a thing that a lot of people like favor they they are always like kind of like pushing the the kind of like the alternative route and 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 trying things or like trying to sound so unique and different that that is is going to push you forward. But in the end of the day, you're serving music fanatics and and, and the listener. And if there if there are not enough people in your specific niche that loving what whatever it is that you make, then it's it's going to be quite tough to succeed. And I have yeah. the utmost respect for a lot of labels and artists that managed to succeed from like i don't know like merch sales or like uh, sales on like shows and stuff like that but yeah. uh, it, it's it's a lot more difficult sweet so a couple more questions and then we'll wrap things up so i'm kind of curious to get your input on the whole going independent versus going with a label idea what would you say to an artist that is kind of debating whether the best spot for their music is just to release independently or to find a label to work with so i would say and uh, that's how I always say it is that use me in every way you possibly can exploit me as a label, but like always remind in the back of your head that one day we might not be there. So you always yeah. have to be, okay, they push it on their socials they push it through their playlist. They push it through their network. 
but you always have to kind of like someday like maybe the label is not interested anymore so you have to be able to stand on yourself and i feel like that's the biggest problem about the music industry and that's something that we encounter a lot at the moment or like just in yeah. general that's like one of the biggest issues that you have to deal with as a music label or just a, a business and in general in the music industry a lot of artists are just really uneducated and that's not a popular yeah. opinion but it's unfortunately the truth like they, they don't know how a contract works they don't know how the business work side of things and they usually get a manager in that's taking a percentage but also like isn't like the best manager for them maybe like on yeah. a small project but when that project blows up the manager isn't the right manager for the project anymore so there's so much that goes into that and um i said that in the in, in the basis that grow with a label um get to a certain place where you're able to sustain on your on your own learn from that label and 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 go on your own 100 percent. because in, in the end of the day like if, if you do a 50 50 deal or you do a 90 10 deal or, or whatever the deal is that you get in front of you you always have to think okay if, if somebody so i doing i'm doing let's say like i'm doing ten thousand streams myself amazing how did you how did you do that that's that's amazing for a starting artist okay i'm signed to this label and now i'm gonna get twenty thousand streams then i would say to that artist you you've just made yourself a hell of a deal because now two times two two times as much stream so like you your your music is reaching a lot more people and you're making the same amount of money like that's uh, that's the deal you should take but if the deal is that um a label takes uh let's say like label takes 99 percent you're only getting one percent then if you do on your own you do a thousand streams but because of that label you now do a million streams then i would still say to you take that deal and that's yeah. like that's an unpopular opinion because they say like okay but yeah but then the label is like exploiting the artist and stuff like that but like in the end of the day like the artist is going away with bookings merch popularity um yeah. the streams like people are going to be a fan of you so if if I would look if I would go back and there was a label telling me that I I would do ten songs with them on my own I would do a thousand streams or ten thousand streams or even maybe like a hundred thousand streams and they're going to say to me okay we're going to do ten singles we are not going to get any royalties of these ten singles but we are going to assure ensure you that on every song you get at least five or ten million streams I would sign that deal that's kind of like the unpopular opinion in the music industry where a lot of people are like, but yeah, but without the music, there wouldn't be the streams and, and all that, all that stuff. But I'm like, okay, but like, you have to always look at it. Okay. This is what I'm able to do on my own. And this is what the other party is adding to that. And that could be like label or management or an agent or like whatever it mm -hmm. is. If like the agent is taking 25%, but like without the agent, you wouldn't have any bookings. And I think that the agent may be worth a lot more than the 25%. And then people said, like, he is making that money because he's booking my name. And I said, like, okay, then you go to another agent. Maybe he ask a little bit more, but, like, that agent is able to get you a world, worldwide tour. Like, yeah. that, that's always the thing. And I, I think, like, especially in the music industry where everybody seems to be um, quite uh, sensitive to that, to those opinions and stuff like that, I think you have to see it as any normal business and um, in a normal business, if somebody's adding twice as much as value and you're taking half of the money, then that would be a tremendous deal because that means you, you can grow your, your business X2 and you're making the same amount of money.
on a podcast not too long ago, one of the artists kind of about that said, labels take a piece of the pie, but it's a bigger piece of pie. And with everything, when it comes to like booking agents, uh, managers, labels, even if they take a piece of that, it's likely going to be a bigger piece, which means what you're getting is bigger. And then also what you're able to do off of that with shows and merch and all those things is going to be bigger with it too. Yeah, but that's how it should be because there are also like a a lot of cases I I would highly doubt that the artist isn't able to do the same numbers as he's doing with the label. So that's kind of like pure artist to artist base where I would say that literally like probably like 95% of the artists would be a lot better off without the label. And that's uh, that comes from like somebody that runs a label. And um, I'm just being honest there and uh, not, not bullshitting anybody. But if, if you just would do the math for yourself and, and you never do the math backwards because you, you'll never be able to say, okay, if I would have not released, if I would have released this song on my own, but I've still have done 10 million. That's all subject to so many variables. It's, it's not possible. It's just that it's really h- hard to test it. You just have to be really yeah. able to be honest with yourself about like how much do you actually bring to the table and that also comes down to like how good is my song compared to this song that is actually a hit you have to be able to reflect yourself really well in the music industry and in the music business in general because if you're not able to reflect on yourself that your song isn't as good as that song or your song isn't as unique as that song or you're not adding as much to the table as the other party then it's going to be really tough in general because like you you can't have a, a proper conversation Cool. So one last question, what's going to be coming up for you and Strange Fruits in the next few months? We, we are working on really dope stuff. So I bought this office and downstairs we were planning to do studios, but then I, uh, just honest here, we, we got a little bit of uh, uh, terrace. So that's like a little piece on the market where you can uh, make like kind of like a, a restaurant, stuff like that. So people can sit yeah. in the sun and drink and stuff. So now I thought two times I could also kind of like build studios in a, a bit further outside of the city that is a lot cheaper and then make yeah. a restaurant downstairs. So now upstairs we have a uh, we have the office and it's able to we can host around like 40 or 50 people here. So we still have a lot uh, a lot of room to grow. Like everybody's like sitting uh, really well here with, during the corona times because there's literally like so much space <laughs> that it's almost impossible to to encounter each other. But uh, yeah. downstairs, we start Strange Fruits uh, restaurant. So like the first Strange Fruits restaurants, it's going to be also franchisable. So we're building this out first and it's opening in now in three weeks. It's going to be Strange Fruits restaurant with uh, yeah the whole concept that we create online, but like trying to make it more tangible. So you have like really weird smoothies, you have really weird uh, with fruits, poke bowls. So it's like kind of like where Mexico meets Bali and is as as colorful and fruity as the design that we're trying to and the brand that we're trying to establish uh, as strange yeah. fruits so i'm really excited for that because it's also like uh, the first uh, let's say like venture for myself uh, that is as quite honestly nothing to do with the music industry because uh, i do a lot in the music industry in, in the background but uh, this is the first one that is uh, not music industry let's say like really so it's really exciting because there's a lot more different nuances and, and different ways of uh, how you manage and, 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 and do a restaurant. So that's one that's coming up really soon. That's in now in three weeks. Then as you may have seen, we've been creating kind of like a strange food universe where we've yeah. been building um, 
friends like my cat. Uh, it's it's named Fats, and Fats is kind of like backwards staff. So like we're producing music, me myself and a few other people for Fats, and um, yeah, he's doing really well. He, he just a week ago he had his first tune over 10 million streams so we're building mm. this strange foods universe and it's it's quite i haven't had as much fun in in a while i would say where we just create all these characters that kind of like work together in a sort of sort of like disney universe and then the so now all these characters are with different 3d studios so we're going to work them all into 3d figures where you and now in a i think in a month we launched the first character and like proper 3d it's going to be epic and it's going to be like you you know this like pixar movies right where this lamp is going to the so that's going to be like 15 second animations of the announcements of these characters um in in that way so we're really going to try and create kind of like an angry birds meets pixar universe um where you have you've seen it with like dead mouse and like marshmallow but they kind of like became human they're not human, but they became human because there's like somebody underneath the helmet. And what I I envisioned, it would be so much fun if we could create like kind of like an IP, but like different characters that have like several hits and like eventually like make a movie. So we're kind of like building towards the, the phase in now five years where there will be a Strange Fruits movie, hopefully, in all the theaters. Yeah. That's going to be an entrepreneurial movie about kind of like inspiring young people in the music industry but just kind of like entrepreneurial people in general because i i feel like there hasn't been a pixar movie or just a movie in general uh cartoonish where kind of like the the entrepreneurial spirit of this generation has been pushed in a way that it could have been pushed so i feel like that angle could have been phenomenal and doing that through through music and and entertainment and and building these characters up with like different storylines and different kind of like characteristics that all these characters have, I think that that would be phenomenal. And I think it hasn't really been done before in the music industry. And that, and I, uh, I really, I don't know, like I get a lot of energy from things that has, haven't been done before or haven't been done as well as it, they could have been done. So mm-hmm. uh, we're going to work out the whole 3D army of, of uh, characters. And that's going to be a lot of fun. And then eventually it's going to be a movie. And then we have the Strange Foods uh, restaurant in the coming weeks. And then, of course, we, we keep doing all the traditional label stuff and uh, kind of like trying to disrupt in that market. And, and definitely this year, we will have some great tunes that become widely known as, as hits because now the whole formula formula is there that's been kind of, kind of like lacking or like has yeah. been trial and erroring over the last few years. And uh, that's kind of like what, uh, what we've been up to. And I, I'm really... Uh, excited about the future because uh, it feels like a new era for music business and and especially for yeah. record labels. As uh, yeah, I'm not planning to sell and I'm I'm going to stay independent for uh, quite a long time. Although yeah. the majors are probably not going to like that, <laughs> as they're already not liking it. Yeah, I want to close this episode with uh, one thing I would have loved to tell myself before I started anything or doing anything is that feel as hard as you can on as many aspects as you want to improve on as fast as possible. Don't be afraid of failing as it's the quickest way to learn, develop, and evolve as a human being. Sweet. So with that, we will wrap things up for this episode. You can learn more about Steve Void and Strange Fruits in the description of this podcast. Steph, it's been great chatting with you. Appreciate you being on the show. 
Yeah, thank you so much, Connor. I, I generally like the conversation, and I wish we yeah. had a little bit more time to discuss everything to that, that you guys <laughs> uh, have been up to. Because I, 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 I'm fascinated by the whole podcast, uh, kind of like space, and especially because there isn't that much, or at least isn't that much valuable information or like podcasts in the music industry. I thought, like, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by the idea of a music podcast. And I, uh, I found it fascinating that you guys reached out and uh, yeah, you guys seem to be doing a tremendous job. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs>